0: The following podcast episode contains reference to injury, trauma, and vehicular accidents and death. Some listeners may find this disturbing. Hello and welcome to the True Purpose podcast. My name is Will Stewart and I'm founder of True Purpose Enterprises. We are a collection of businesses created to empower and promote future-proof enterprises that drive both happiness and success. On this podcast, our conversations will explore what it means to lead with true purpose and why this is necessary for people, planet, and most crucially, profit. If you like inspiring stories of resilience, purpose, happiness, and biscuits, then your ears are in the right place. So I am super excited to welcome my guest this week. So he is a serial entrepreneur. He's a disruptor, an innovator, and an inventor. He brought the arse face towel to market, which I actually purchased back in the day as a student. He's been on Secret Millionaire. Uh, His daughter's a pop star. He survived robbery and car crashes. He's learned to walk twice. He's a world-class shooter. He's one tough, resilient bastard. He's very, very clever, despite his lack of qualifications and brummy accent. Uh, He's won so many awards, they don't even bother counting them anymore. And honestly, this list is uh, just some highlights of things that I know or can research at this stage. But the amount of stories I've heard over the years is uh, just quite unbelievable. Um, And, you know, most importantly for us today, he is co-founder of True Purpose Powerhouse. Wow stuff. So uh, welcome, Richard North. Thank you, Will. Thank you for having me. Is there uh, anything you want to add to your intro. So is there anything I missed out? You, it's did quite... pretty,
1: you did a pretty thorough job, didn't you? Yeah, there's a lot of stuff you've dug up there. It, it didn't feel like you were talking about me, <laughs> you know. Um, it felt like there's a lot of stuff there, but I suppose, yeah, there is most of, of it or all of it's happened, yeah.
0: It's all true, right? Um, and I, I think, you know, I think you're a fascinating character, and I'm really looking forward to hearing uh, yeah, just more about how things are fitted together in your life and those moments that have really driven you forward. You've told me a few of those stories in, in the past. But I did just want to start with, so I actually invested in uh, one of your businesses via um, crowdfunding platform, which was called Real RealFX, um, mm-hmm. which was an amazing product. And I did send you a very fluffy, flattering email um, back in, I, I looked it up, 27th of June, 2014. Saying how wonderful it was and and everything. Do you want to meet up? Do you remember what your reply to me was?
1: <laughs> I'd love to say yes and then repeat it back to you exactly. now. <laughs> I've got no idea. You didn't reply.
0: You didn't oh, reply. He no. didn't even reply. No, didn't no. even reply. I uh, dreadful. But that's fine So i forgiven you for that. Because we've since then got to to work and talk a lot. But um, I think you know even back then, you know that was when I first started the point. I was looking at your business and the things you were doing it's really innovative and really different. And, you know, that really inspires me. I like to see people doing things differently and that's what we've always, um, aspired to do. Um, so let's just get started with, you know, do you enjoy, do you enjoy good life work balance?
1: So my immediate reaction to that is yes and no. Um, so, um, just going with from my heart, really, um, if I look back at the weekend that's just happened, I really enjoyed it because I wasn't doing much mowing the garden. Yeah, even with my wife. Um, one of my children, three of them have left home. One of them's still at home. Um, so walking up and down our high, local high street, going for coffees, eating out. Yeah, very relaxing. I love that. I couldn't very do a sort of simple agenda, right? Very simple. Yeah. Very the opposite of what I suppose I do during the week. Yeah. <laughs> that contrast. During a week, it's, it, it can be very, very full on. So then go back to that, you know, that life-work balance part. If I go back to the work bit this last week. Very intensive. Um, there was definitely times I found myself saying to relatively close people to me, friends and family, that I was suffering this yeah. week that I suppose I didn't expect to be saying this on the podcast. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I found it really hard going, really stretching my, my, my brain power on yeah. the subjects I was dealing with, uh, out of my comfort zone a lot yeah. yeah, because of some of the things that I found myself doing. Um, so in answer to your question, do I have a good work-life balance? I suppose it depends on which particular week yeah. you're talking about. yeah.
0: I think it's amazing, you know, there's so many opportunities for you in in a business sense that, you know, naturally you want to do them, you're excited and you you want to learn and this whole piece around out of your comfort zone is in your learning zone, right? So you're naturally, you like learning, right? I love learning. Yeah. So naturally you want to be in that space and that's where you're going to push yourself. But I think it's massive also that you're able to, you know, say you're you know having a tough week or you're... You know, uh, you know, struggling mentally or trying to deal with all these things because that's what we all go through, and I think those are the things that are you know make you more accessible and real and human because everyone else is doing the same thing. So, yeah, maybe it was a I don't know, a, a, an added question, but and maybe it's reflecting from my position as well of like you, you know, you have if you define it as you are going to have a life work balance, you can do it. The weekend sounds amazing, love weekends like that. You can only maybe do the week if you've had
1: a week, weekend like that. Yeah, I suppose going into the weekend, I thought I definitely needed to rest. Yes. So, yeah, you know, how long can you keep up um, an intensity of anything, really? I suppose, you know, you could apply that to sport, you could apply it to business uh, and your work. There, there are times when you've got to up the pace where you have to blast it. Something I spoke about recently, actually, I did decided to do TikToks and um, and I found myself you know, looking into the camera and doing my TikTok and, and, and shouting the words, know when to blast it because you've also got to know that you've got to slow down for a lot of the time yeah. to recuperate from those intensive periods. And I suppose yeah, this last weekend was one of those where I definitely needed to slow down and just relax.
0: Do you think you're better now at knowing when you need to do that?
1: Uh, I remember a time about 20 years ago, uh, the advent of the, not the advent of the internet, but the the beginnings of development of e-commerce in the UK. I'd seen what was going on in the States and I started an e-commerce business in the UK. And when I look back on those times, I didn't have an off button. I didn't know how to switch off or even to slow down the pace. And, you know, when you're younger, you do think – well, I I think it's actually because you don't think, um, but you feel impervious to anything. You know, you don't think about your health so much. You just get on do, and you work. If you're an entrepreneur and you're excited by business and the opportunities, you work at at an incredible pace but that catches up. yeah. And at the time, I didn't realise it, but I think looking back, I was going through probably a bit of a breakdown. Um, the business was growing so quickly. The amount of unique visitors to the website, the data collection that we had, was growing at a phenomenal pace. Pace, um, and, and then I had a car accident, which I'm sure we'll, we'll come on to later, and that stopped everything in its tracks that actually gave me some respite mm. it, you know if that hadn't happened mentally yeah. i may have just crumbled uh, you know well, you never know do you i think
0: i think you know certainly running a business or running multiple businesses as as you've done you know trying to be conscious of where you're at mentally is vital and it's probably in every in every person really but i think it can be such an intensive time uh for weeks and weeks and weeks, and you know you can do it for a period of time. I know I can do it for a period of time, but I also, you know, know your limits, right? Be aware of yeah. what your brain and body is telling you, and maybe in your case, the the universe. I mean, yeah. Do you, I mean, do you want to talk about the the car crash? I mean, that was quite a pivotal moment in your life, right? You had to learn to walk, and there was a lot of dark
1: comments, right,
0: about what your future opportunities yeah. would be?
1: Well, I, I suppose in, in, before the car accident happened, um, I'd, uh, it goes back to what I probably said a moment ago about you feel uh, not impregnable, but you just don't think of yourself hitting an obstacle of that kind, both, both metaphorical and, and literal, um, mm-hmm. and, and stopping you in your tracks from your vision and from the path that you've taken. You just think you're just going to keep going, hmm. and so when that 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 point in my life, I'd had previous company that I built up very profitably and sold, um, so I've got money in the bank, had a, a nice a nice lifestyle. I got, I got this e-commerce business that was growing very very quickly. We were getting offers because it was that dot-com era yeah. of stupid valuations. Yes. Some people were cashing in and doing incredibly well, but someone else was left holding the, the baby, as it were, because there was no real business in many in many of those ventures at the time. Nothing that had longevity. I found myself with a business that, were, that was better than that. It, it, it did have substance to it, but it came with working probably 18-hour days so I'm not an early riser, but maybe sort of eight 8.30 in the morning, but never finishing before midnight, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock. And even though I've got a good team, I was building a good team, I felt that I still had to be at that forefront and was very immersed in the detail of the website, making sure we got these great features. So setting the business up, building a team, getting finance, getting uh, brought in some investors at That point to scale the business, we set up a new warehouse, quite a big warehouse. We did. We took all our, our, our business in house instead of using third party service support. So we didn't have three PL warehouse to pick pack and dispatch. I decided, in my wisdom, I wanted full control over that. <laughs> I, mean, I wanted everything to be perfect. Yeah. So, so we had twenty four hour round the clock uh, pick pack dispatch service. So, or, or rather, pick pack and then and then. The Royal Mail the couriers would turn up at you know seven in the morning. collect these hundreds, if not thousands, of packages um, to send out to customers. But so we were working shifts to make sure everything got packed ready for the next day, so we could give a fantastic overnight service. But I was on top of all of that kind of stuff and wanted everything to be almost like a perfectionist is, and and I think when you're a perfectionist, uh, that can be a recipe for mental health issues. Yeah. Because you know you can't bear to see something not perfect. No, not you know, not not. It's a nightmare world way to live in. Yeah, nightmare world. To and in world. Uh, and I think all of that. Um, the pressure was in, it was was intense. I think I was probably going through a breakdown. Driving home one night, coming around a bend, not fast. In my carpet had been raining, and it'd been sunny for weeks, so there's a lot of um, uh, greasy grease on the roads from. Uh, from foliage and stuff that fall on this particular bend in the road. And as I came around, I felt the back wheels just go. Uh, Like I say, it wasn't wasn't fast, Um, but the wheels hit the curb. Almost felt very gentle, felt like you've probably heard these people who've described similar things where you feel like you're in a dream, everything's happening in slow motion. Yeah. And the, the back of the car hit the curb, which created this, this was a sudden spin, it bounced back the opposite way and went into a tailspin. And it and I remember holding the steering wheel. I don't know if I've said this before. Maybe, maybe I have. I held the steering wheel and as the car started to rotate third third, three times, I just remember knowing this isn't going to end well, and just going resigning myself to it and saying, "Oh fuck," and that was it. Just in that calm moment. I'm waiting for what was gonna happen next. Yeah. Some sort of impact. And the impact was a lamppost, um side-on, soft top car, the car wrapped around like a banana, my legs were cut straight in half through with the with the um the lamppost. And I looked down, oh. I could see the back of one of my feet. It sounds really gory now. Yeah. Um, and and thought that I hadn't got long to live, you know, I knew I'd probably got internal injuries and stuff. My hand was was broken. And, uh, yeah, my, my, my pelvis was broken in two. So my, my actual hips had kind of gone, if you like, from regular width to half that width um, because of that, the, the seat caved in as well. Um, so waiting there, expecting to go, um, extreme pain like I've never, ever felt or believed you could feel. To the point of you don't know whether to, You really are at this point of thinking, you want the pain to go away, and you feel, I I wanna word this next bit absolutely accurately, because I don't wanna be disingenuous when I say this. I was going to say, you want it to end, so you you want to die, but there was no part of me at that point in time that I felt I absolutely want to go, but I was happy to go, if that makes sense. So I was at peace in many ways, but then equally I had this really deep, deep desire to want to live. Um, and, and what happened over the next hour or so is they tried to cut me out of the wreckage. My, my actual, One of my good friends happened to turn up completely by fluke within 60 seconds of the accident. And he's standing by the side of the window saying, it's all right, Rich, we'll, we'll get an ambulance. we'll get you out, get you sorted. Wow. And I'm thinking, that's positive thinking. Yeah, you know, really, great, good on you, Jim. His name's Jim. Good on you, Jim. He said, I'll speak to Karen. I'll go and tell Karen that you've just broken your ankle or something. He thought on the spot.
0: Yeah, just to sort of keep you, you know, keep you going. Yeah. It's remarkable he just turned up or he yeah. appeared out of... Like maybe there is, Lesson. you know, that you were destined to do bigger and better things. You, yeah. you know, we we talk uh, a lot on this podcast about purpose. You know, did you? It's an it's an incredible story on its own of you know, coming at peace with probably a a conscious reality of look. You know, you can see the back of your foot, you, you're mangled. You must have at some point thought, well, you know, the chances of survival are, are small. So I'll I can I can understand that. You know, consciously that this may not be a thing, and being at peace for that. But then you also said, yeah, but there was one part of me, or you know, part of me that was like, I'm not, you know, I'm not ready to go. Yeah. You know, what was it in that? You know, what, what? How do you describe what that feeling was like? Yeah.
1: Um. So my my family, I forget where it came from, but you know, my wife, four kids, as 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 the kids were born, and as I was this entrepreneur going about my my business, building my business, I would often say to them, um, never, ever, ever give up uh, on anything you apply yourself to. And I know there's minuses sometimes for that attitude, but that was my overall view on things. So we instilled that as a North family motto. Yeah, never, ever, ever give up. And we still talk about it and we still live by that our family does. And I think at that moment, it was... It was all for my family. Yeah, It was never ever give up for them. You know, yeah, it'd be difficult for me to talk more without sort of probably start to cry. Yeah, 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 no, um, months, yeah. But yeah, so that that was the the purpose, the motivator of of not giving in to death at that point. My wife was then on the bank. She was pregnant, eight months pregnant. Wow, um, with with my. My music musician daughter, (laughs) my singer songwriter, lovely lady. So she was there on the bank and looking down, down because she was told to keep a distance. And could you see her? her Yeah. Um. You just felt her presence. No, they told me she was there. They told me I couldn't move my head to the left, so they just said she's up there and she's on the bank and she's she knows you're okay. She knows um, we're doing everything we can and, and getting out. And then. They, something funny happened. They couldn't get me out of the wreckage. They, what I know now is, what I, I found this out a few weeks after coming out of intensive care and out of the hospital. They brought an acetylene torch and bottle over to what I thought was probably cutting the wreck apart, which they did, but it was also to cut my legs off because they knew that they that that uh, they couldn't get me out. So they'd been given permission at phone through, and They were given permission. And my best friend was by the medical team in the hospital when the call came through to say, do we have permission to cut his legs off? And they gave the okay. And then I didn't know that bit. And then I, what I do know is that one of the firemen, this huge guy, this hero, uh, he said, let me try and get this wreckage off. It was like this one last attempt to get the wreckage um, off one of my legs—it just completely collapsed all over my leg, and uh, and it, the car was in a lot of disrepair bits. Yes, you know, big yeah. counter a bit, and he came around, and with this almighty heroic, <laughs> sort of superhero scream that he let out, <laughs> he, he pulls, and this piece of wreckage just comes out in his hands. And it was a moment of joy for everybody. Everybody's kind yeah. of like... a uh, cheering, like yeah, yeah. cheering moment. Yeah, the cheering moment in the midst the of all this. Yeah, the blood and gore. And uh, my leg just dropped free. And then they said, that's it, we got in. And, uh, and 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 she was holding my hand, one of the paramedics, and she sa- and she said to me in a Wolverhampton, uh, black country accent, uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know whether I've said this before, but, um, she got her arm around me, she's holding my hand, and she said... It's all right, chick. It's all right, and 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 it was so comforting. But yeah. then she turned to her colleagues. Didn't realise I could hear. She went, "Yeah, yeah, I think he's gone. He's <laughs> got he's eighteen beats a minute." Oh, yeah. and and at that point, I knew what she was talking, she was talking about. My heartbeat beat rate, yeah, right, you yeah. Know, gone down, dropped to eighteen beats. But you must have minute. lost a lot of blood by then, right? Yeah, yeah. I had a blood blood transfusion shortly after when I went into hospital. But the, but but the, again, thinking of positivity and purpose. Yeah. At that moment of everything looking really bad, my brain was thinking a number of things. One, I, was, I, I got this thing where I was counting from 10 seconds to zero, thinking I, because the pain was so extreme. Mm. I was thinking I could hold on for 10 more seconds, then I'll let go. Then that will be it. I can't uh-huh. go on any longer. The pain was just too much. So I'd get to one and to zero, and I'd say 10 more seconds. Okay. And I just kept doing it yeah. over and over again. Uh, get to a zero and think, I could do 10 more. How many do times do you more? think you counted? How long were you in there? Uh, over an hour. Over an hour, an maybe an hour and 20, 20 minutes or something <laughs> like that, I guess. So uh-huh. I did lots and lots. And it just kept me focused. Focused yeah. is what it gave me. And then when she said 18 bits a minute, one thing that went through my mind was um, I, I was big into my karate, my martial arts, I was into swimming. And I was reasonably fit at the time. And I'd always had a low heartbeat anyway. Yeah. And it was an unusually low heartbeat. So when I was fit, it was 45 to 46 beats a minute. And I was reasonably fit. So I calculated that she hadn't taken that into this <laughs> right. So it's a moment of positivity and thinking, Ash, it's she doesn't really, know all the answers. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. She's forgotten that I've got this. She wouldn't know that I've got this. Level. So if you add on another 20, I'm probably only the back 35 equivalent. Yeah. You know, so yeah. so therefore, I'm okay.
0: Well, you survived it. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's it's remarkable. And then you obviously learned to walk again after that and had to be all put back together. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, just... Tying back to the purpose, I mean, you mentioned, you know, purpose and, you know, just never, ever, ever giving up and not giving up for your family. Is that how you would define purpose then for you in in life?
1: Again, I, yeah, I think that's a question I've never been asked. Um, I've been asked about what's the purpose of the business, what's been the purpose of you doing this particular product or going into this particular business area. But, yeah, I, I would say 100% my personal purpose in why I do what I do ultimately above anything else, above what my toy business does, what my you know my other business does, um, and, and other things I've invested in over the years, it ultimately comes back to that one point if you think of a pyramid on the very pinnacle, yeah. it's, it's family. I do it, I do it for the family, yeah.
0: And is it what yeah. to make them proud or to you know show them direction or inspire them? Like how do you boil that down
1: inadequacy? and not worthy and maybe something driving me that says um, here's compensation for me not being there uh, lots of times as the kids have grown up as I've been with my wife at the beginning and she's supported me a thousand percent in everything I've done.
0: Yeah no I, I mean it's it's amazing you know using the words unworthy or inadequacy when you know people would look at that from an outside of you know you're this hugely successful guy you've got this amazing family all these amazing things have happened and you know that driver of you know family i think most people can say you know i do this for my kids most parents would say that or you know for my partner or you know for for other family members and using that as a motivation is really important in life um but you know I, i i totally feel you and hear you around that driver being, you know, are you worthy of having all these wonderful luxuries? Why is it you that's got all these opportunities rather than someone else who is unfortunate to have been born in Ukraine in a war zone? You know, you you have a I feel, and, and having known you a while now, you know, you feel you have this responsibility now to do the best for people because you know, we can't control the environment and the world we were born into. What we can control is what opportunities are we going to take and, and try and take every opportunity um, and then give back right which is why this comes back to purpose of you know if you're driven by those things and you want to you know you've got the ambition still and you want to go after everything and prove to everyone that you know you're hardworking, for example, um, you know it, it comes back to purpose right and how you define that in your life, and then how you apply that within your businesses. So let's just jump to a uh, let's jump more into business. It's basically about business. This after all, um, you know how do you how do you create purpose in your businesses or in any of your businesses?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I suppose ultimately I start with the purpose that this is, you know, the, the most important thing to me. Out of everything is my own family, yeah. And um, so that's there. That's sort of a set point. I then I'm looking to say, can I build a business that can um, support them? Uh, you know, he, and my kids, even if they're successful, but they've always got something to fall back on. I've got something to fall back on. My wife's got something to fall back on. So that's kind of your, the starting point. Then you look at the individual business. For me. I have to do things that motivate me, that inspire me uh, to want to do. So over the years, I've been uh, lucky enough to be uh, considered for positions, to be asked to do non-executive roles in different companies where they they feel that I could add value. But it's I've very rarely taken anything because it's got to absolutely energise me. Yeah. So so that's a starting point does this business energize me? Will it energize me? Will it will it excite me? Will it make me get out of bed in the morning feeling on top of the world that God, you know, there'll be challenges but we'll be able to conquer those because the big picture is to achieve X, Y, and Z. And then that, that's the vision. So what could this business be? So you create this vision of what this business could be, what it is now, where it's starting from, but where it could go to. And that unknown uh, I, I actually love. I, I like you mentioned at the beginning, actually, you know, about being disruptive. That the, the the beauty about being disruptive is you don't know really where it's going to take yeah. you. And I love that. The investors love that. Oh, yeah, so they they they. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, they do. Yeah. What's it what's, what's
0: what's going to achieve? No idea, man. Yeah. No idea. Don't know. But it's pretty cool, isn't it?
1: Yeah. <laughs> so true. You, you know, investors typically, you know, corporates want to see a very clear plan and an end game. Yeah. And as an entrepreneur, you can drive fantastic growth sometimes and and, and create something quite spectacular. But if you're pigeonholed, if you are restrained, confined by this is your vision and you've got to kind of stick to the plan, then it can make an unhappy bedfellow, that investor uh, or that entrepreneur can, can be. So you've got corporate-type entrepreneurs that work well in that environment, and you've got real pure entrepreneurs, if that's the right wording for them, like me, that I think feels best at my best when I'm unconstrained because you go down a path and then that will lead to another path and that will lead to something else. Have you ever been described as uninvestable in your time? You must have been. Uh, by myself, I
0: think. <laughs> but, but this is the thing as well. When I look at the product roster, I mean, the the Harry Potter invisibility cloak, Quite right? Is there something that drives you? That's impossible, right? That's impossible. And is it that that then, you know, that's going to get you excited? You're a bit of an atma magpie, aren't you? You love all those, those things that can't be done. But do you get driven... As well, by people saying it can't be done or you won't achieve it. Yes. Has that been a theme for you?
1: Yes, most definitely. Um, I, I challenge one of my colleagues, my co-founder, Graham, Dr. Graham Taylor, uh, often say when I introducing him to people you know, and he cringes, he gets embarrassed by this introduction, that he's the smartest guy I know that I've ever met, and he is. And uh, I challenge him. To you know, heads up the technology innovation team, and I challenge him to do things that he will tell me are impossible, yeah. <laughs> and, and that's where I throw it back at him and tell him it won't be, it isn't, he just hasn't got the, 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 the solution right now, yeah. And he'll then go away and he'll tell me no 10 times, but yeah. I know if I keep pushing the 11th time, it'll be a yes, <laughs> and that's that's very much like, like the invisibility cloud. We've got a couple of other fantastic. Colleagues and the business co directors, uh, Dr. Mark Gasson, who came up with the invisibility cloak, Dr. Jim Wire, they all have a hand in all of the innovations in our business. In- incredible people, absolute geniuses. And, uh, you know, Mark revealed to us the cloak. We couldn't believe it was possible. Um, and, and that was great. That's the challenge. That's the challenges that we love. Yeah. You know, how do we, how do we, uh, uh, not looking out to disrupt, but how? to do something that nobody else has done. Yeah. We don't always make money on that. Yeah. But but the few times that we do, you you know, it can be incredibly successful. So we, you know, as a business, Wow Stuff is known for innovation, as a, as a toy yeah. business, we're known for innovation. And that innovation comes from the core of of, of all of our people, the team that, that we've built, people that have been attracted to work at Wow Stuff, I think is because we share... That common vision for uh, making the impossible possible.
0: Yeah. And, and maybe that then ties in purpose, values, mission, all those sorts of things. You know, it's not money. The business isn't driven to make loads of money because the toy world is a tough world. There's right? <laughs> rather large competitors and there's very formulaic processes that can happen to generate, you know, mass toy success. And even that's high risk. But there's ways of doing that. Whereas, while stuff, you know, is known for innovation. It's known for making the this is the thing. That's what you want it to be. That's what it's known as. And you can't you can write that on your documents and your wall or whatever. But it, you know, you need to your values and your um, identifiers are, you know, created by everyone else. if anyone asks, you know, what is Wow stuff known for? Making the impossible possible, you know, creating the the things that maybe you just didn't think would be achievable. So is then the purpose about, you know, inspiring kids or, you know, that sort of ties into obviously some of your your corp speak. But, yeah. you know, how would you boil down yes. the, the, the so, purpose of Wow Stuff as a business? What are you trying yeah. to? What's your reason? Yeah.
1: Well, I, like so many of us, hopefully, you know, when we were all kids, um, I was fortunate enough to live, um, you know, the worlds that I'm sure most of our listeners have and, and you and I have is Christmas Day, you get out to open your presents, uh, you rip off that packaging, and when you see you've got the present you've hoped so much for or one that you, you'd hoped for didn't think you were going to get, that moment for you is a wow. And I suppose that, was, that moment stayed with me all through my life. Yeah. When I've you know we, I came from a modest background, we didn't have lots of stuff, but my mum and dad, the little that they made, they would make sure we had good Christmases and good birthdays. Yeah, and those were those special moments of, wow, it's interesting because nowadays I, I'm, a, I'm the worst recipient of gifts and presents. Uh, I just, I, I, I'm embarrassed. I don't know how to react so well. I'm, I'm, I'm rubbish. And That's really handy because really we haven't got you any gifts today. <laughs> so There won't
0: be <laughs> no, any awkward no, moments.
1: No, we're not even doing biscuits. <laughs> we'll have to see. And, and so that moment of WOW, when we set up WOW as a business and we were creating in the early days uh, the ideas for what WOW could be, it all centred around us as kids and, and us being able to give to kids those wow moments, those moments when, even more than the product they were hoping for or the toy they were hoping for, but of something that was extraordinary, that, you know, making the impossible possible, that toy that when you grabbed it and you held it and you played with it or you interacted with it in some way, your only reaction, your only feeling from from your head and your heart was wow, and that became the focus of the business, the purpose of the business, so the kids would say wow when they yeah. touched, we played with, interacted with one of our toys. You know, that's.
0: I mean, it's fascinating because that then has tied in to you know all these years later and what you're
1: still doing now
0: each year, right? How do you know that they're bought into the purpose and the vision? How do you actually know
1: that recruitment process? You know, it's an art, it's a science. You know, you have got. There's lots of different ways that you can go about trying to find the right people and the right fit. But really, you you know, some people say, oh, well, you'll know in the first few weeks if they're right for the business. You'll know in the first six months, recruitment agencies. Don't worry if, if this person leaves in the first six months, you get 50, 60, percent of your money back. If they leave in the first <laughs> week, you get it all back. You don't really, though, I don't think. If when you're running an entrepreneurial business that's moving at pace with senior management with a thousand and one things to do, uh, you don't really. See for sure if they're the right fit for maybe a year. Yeah, but I think if they're not the right fit, you've got to do something about it. Yeah, it's good. For, it's good for them. It's good for you. It's definitely good for your business, and therefore it's good for the rest of the people that stay. So you've got to take action. Uh, but you've got to work with them, see them at work, and you know you've hopefully done everything you can in the initial process of onboarding them and recruiting them to know if they they look like they're the right people. But you'll only know and they might just be the right person for a period of time I think you know
0: we're always when you're building teams you're always trying to find all the best humans and gather them all together and have them in your tribe forever in life doesn't work like that and I think you know if you've got someone that might be right for a one or two year stint and then you have to let them go it's always heartbreaking because you you know you love these people when they come and work with you but you have to get comfortable with letting them go on and do other things and you know, ultimately, as long as the purpose, the vision, the cultural stays central to that, you can, you know, it's an unfair question because you, you don't know. You don't know whether they're absolutely right, but you can get a feeling. It's lots of little conversations and feel like someone's going to join and stay forever and, be, you know, fully, you know, immerse themselves in it. Or they might just be here for a period of time, or they might be here for a period of time, leave and come back,
1: right? Yeah, you've got to be realistic, haven't you? I mean, if you look back at your own career, Sure, there'll be times when you knew this was absolutely right for you at that time, and then when you look back on it, you knew you could have left a bit earlier, you could have stayed a bit longer, but you knew it was right to go. And that, you know, so yes, you've got to you've got to think that you're not always going to be a lifer. Mm-hmm. But there's times I think in businesses, and, and sometimes, Milo, where I look at someone, I think they could be a lifer. Um, uh, you know, I've been with this business for wow, stuff now seventeen years. You mentioned about being uninvestable. Uh, That just came to mind because, you know, we did have an investor um, and have an investor, the same investor, that still stuck with us for 10 years, uh, private equity. Um, But we went through the real downside immediately after the investment. It couldn't have happened more immediately because our eye was off the ball. And, you know, spending all that time raising money and they're not running the business and looking yeah. after the business not selling stuff yeah right? and and the and looking at strategy and looking at the yeah. you know <laughs> oh, I, need I need to be planning strategy. yeah exactly we need yeah. to be planning for what's yeah. happening next week but what's happening next year and the year after so you take your eye off the ball um, and at what point you know should they leave how long were they in it for but they actually sta- they actually stayed the course pulled, pulled out helped me buy the business back to be fair to them um, two and a half within two and a half years and um, as Hopefully, my gesture of goodwill I was leaving them with some some equity still. Um. And does
0: you know? Do you think having purpose behind your business makes you happier? Yes, easy.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. You you know, God.
0: A lot what of what would you say to people? They're like, you know, you, you know, you got to make a lot more money. You make a lot more money. That make you happy.
1: I've I've had people, um, some really big toy companies, um, that are just friends. Uh, just get, share their advice and their wisdom with me. A common theme from some of these very big toy businesses and uh, entrepreneurial ones, they say to me, it's like almost their wisdom of what they wish they'd have done differently, even though they've built very big businesses now, but they wish they had have done diff- differently, is don't chase the innovation for innovation's sake. Don't try to be different for difference's sake. You can make a lot of money out of doing simple things well So, yes, the purpose, so important. If I felt it talking to other businesses, something's missing. Mm. And it's that what we're all doing this for. What's the reason? It's it's harder in big
0: corporate business or older businesses to sort of retrofit purpose. And I think, you know, that's a privilege, you know, we both have from starting in a position where that was really important. And, you know, so I get it. And I think bigger companies are doing more for this. You know, they'll often focus purpose around being sustainable or having better packaging, which is really good. I love all that. They should. And we want to do more of that, but it's not tied together to a, a bigger you know, purpose mission, whatever. Yeah. Um, and it's fascinating when people, you know, do give advice and they, it's always well meant, but you know, if you follow their steps, then you lose your identity and therefore, you know, you wouldn't be different. And yeah. You wouldn't be a disruptor, and you wouldn't be seen as innovative because you'd be similar to other people because you're doing the similar thing. So, I think it's amazing you maintain everything that you stand for and have done this for 17 years. That's you know a very long term. I don't know a very long term period period to be focusing on purpose right from the start and then maintaining it for such a long period of time through you know worst financial crisis crisis yeah. in history. Global pandemic, you know, it's it's even harder to be purposeful when things are difficult. You know, when everything's flying, it's like, yeah, you know, we'll we'll give some money to charity and those sorts of things. But you're a huge inspiration to me, and you know, just so chuffed that you came here today. Just one final question: fate What's your favourite biscuit? That's what everyone wants to know. I
1: don't eat biscuits as a general it's rule. It, it's already a problem. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's already yeah. a problem. It's, yeah, yeah, it's controversial, isn't it? Because you know, when I was a kid growing up, I, I know what my favourite biscuit was. And then as I got older, you know, i just think, I could have that biscuit. I could go to the gym and, and, and try and get a bit fit. And, and whatever I did, i just waste it because I was going to eat three or four biscuits when I came out. So, so I try, I'd try to, start to keep some discipline. Um, my answer would be, a, uh, yeah, going back in time, it would be club biscuits because they had that, that mm-hmm. sort of chunky, extra yes. layer of chocolate you could bite yes. off at either end nibble at oh, either yeah. end and you'd get this big fantastic chunks of chocolate off there uh, that was my wow moment in the biscuit
0: <laughs> fantastic i think it's a great choice thank you very very much uh this has been fascinating conversation i've uh, thoroughly enjoyed it um and you know at the podcast we're building you know a whole tribe of people that are leading with true purpose and you know, we want to inspire everyone to be more purposeful in their role and what they're doing, and everyone can be more purposeful. It's, you know, it's sort of a still relatively new topic and, and sort of misunderstood. But you know, the way you've described it today and uh, and how it ties in with everything, uh, it's been amazing. So thank you very much. Thank you.